ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. That was the call on Sunday at the opener of Bank of California Stadium for LAFC as they hosted Seattle Sounders. You heard it right here on ESPN LA 710 in the ESPN app. And man, that was exciting. What a finish in the final seconds of that game. Laurent Simon does it again. Another free kick stinger by Simon, and it gets past the hands of the usually shorthanded Stefan Fry and LAFC. An amazing victory, really. An amazing day that was culminated with a victory. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. What's on tap here on Soccer Weekly this week? It's brought to you by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company, embrace life, drink good beer. LAFC gets their fifth win in seven, first ever win at home, and we've got a lot to talk about there, but they had they made moves. We find out after that game. Remember when we talked about it, Marco Arena had that shiner under his eye on the left side there during the game, which was a very physical game with the Sounders. The Sounders were not afraid to mix it up, let's just say that, and the referee, Kevin Stott, let them do it, bottom line. And so they did. And Marco Arena was worse for wear after it. He took one uh, in the face. It wasn't anything that seemed dirty or anything. It was just a scrum or the, and it, part of the game. But he's going to have to have a, a procedure there. So he's going to be out for what looks like a month. LAFC makes a couple of moves. Lee Wynn, seasoned veteran in MLS, 31 years old. Solid midfielder, very good player, attacking player, 11 goals, 15 assists, and 31 appearances last season for the Revolution. Had kind of fallen out with manager Brad Friedel. I don't know if it was necessarily a personal kind of thing. It's just Wynn wasn't going to get the playing time. There was some things going on there, a little back and forth with the front office, and he moves to LAFC in a deal, in a trade, for a little bit less than a million dollars in allocation money overall. Well, well less, frankly. And Adama Diamande signs from Hall City. 17 goals and 21 appearances for Steinbeck back in 2015. He was with Bob Bradley on that team. Diamante then went on to Hall City, played a little bit in the championship and the Premier League with Hall, who as a club have fallen on hard times, frankly, and Diamante wasn't getting enough playing time. Good, good move. Bring him in. Solid forward. Knows and likes Bob Bradley. Why not? Bob Bradley knows and likes him. And we will be talking with the general manager of LAFC, John Thorrington, about these moves coming up. These are good moves for LAFC. They fit right in. And remember, you're still looking at a guy like Andre Horta still coming July 1st now. LAFC is building a solid roster. We always heard about that built in the buildup. Like, oh, this roster, not deep. And for those of you who are wondering earlier about the international slots, all I can say right now is, there is a move that will be made that will make room for Adama Diamande. Can't say officially yet what that is. Maybe I'll ask John Thorrington about that. There's some things that have to be worked out. You know how that goes in sports, notifying people, all those kind of things. But a move is going to be made, and Diamande will fit in, coming in as a forward there. So that's that's great stuff. Champions League final is set in Europe, May 26th. They'll be playing it in Kiev. Real Madrid and Liverpool. Just as we thought. Now, I don't know who it was. Who was it? I think it was a very, you know, modest sports talk show host, talk show host who specializes in soccer who said the Liverpool-Roma aggregate could be somewhere in the 13-15 to 15 goal range. I said that about it. Remember, I, I kind of joked, oh, it could be 8-7 to seven, if I remember. 
Well, it ended up 7-6 to six on aggregate as Liverpool barely held off Roma in a late charge. Now, Liverpool was in control of the tie, certainly most of that time, winning the first leg 5-2 after being up 5-0 and then jumping out with a couple of goals early enough that they felt comfortable, but Roma would not stop. A couple of late goals there really tightened it up in the final seconds, but Liverpool holds them off, and Liverpool are back. Runners-up in 2007, they won it in 2005. Real Madrid going for their third straight Champions League title and fourth in the last five years. This is unbelievable. What a matchup. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. If you want to break down the Champions League final, your thoughts on that, whether you're a Real Madrid fan or not, a Liverpool fan or not, what are your thoughts on that? Especially if you're not a fan of those teams. As a neutral, it's a great matchup. Right now, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't know a better matchup in world football right now for this final. And that's not always the case when you're talking about knockout stages. It's not as though it always works out that the two hottest teams, or maybe the best matchup gets there. This is fantastic. This final for the Champions League on May 26th. Real Madrid, all that history, recent. Liverpool trying to come back into greatness under Jurgen Klopp. Certainly playing so well as a team. And I'm going to make no bones about this. I know other people are talking about this, but if you look at this Liverpool side, the sum of it is much better than the individual parts. Now, that's not to say these are not fabulous players. They are. And Mo Salah has had a season for the ages. The Egyptian international has been fantastic. But these guys are not end-all, be-all, world-class, like we're going to remember them forever types in terms of the individual talents. Now, if they win as a team, sure, they'll go down in history. They'll be remembered forever, no doubt. And not just by Reds fans. They'll be remembered by everybody if they win as a team. But these, these individuals, while great players, are not at the level, certainly, of a Real Madrid on paper. Now, that doesn't mean they can't win, of course. Absolutely, Liverpool can win. We know this. It's a one game. It's a one-off. But it sets up to be a fantastic finale for this Champions League. No question about it. 877-710-ESPN. You want to hit me up on Twitter. By the way, the show is at Talk Soccer. That's me. You can do that. You can also follow me on Instagram, Dave underscore Denholm. I'm the voice of LAFC as they're getting ready. And I did say it earlier when I was on the show here on ESPN LA 710 doing the crosstalk with Travis and Marcellus that a few fans went to meet Lee Wynn at the airport. And you can start to see some of that on social media. I'm pretty sure, yeah, even Lee Wynn posted a video on his Instagram, Lee Wynn 24 showing, you know, a handful of young men from uh, the LAFC supporters group who went out and met, met him at the airport. I believe it's all men. There might be some women who also went out from the 3252. There's plenty of them. And there's probably, I would say, I'm counting here, maybe 8 to 10. Now, some people might think only 8 to 10 people met him at the airport. But we here in Los Angeles know at 5 o'clock a plane arrives and there's 10 people who are able to get through traffic to get there. What, did they leave yesterday? How do they know? This deal just got done not that long ago. They must have absolutely heard when this got introduced 
at around midnight last night. They must have left their homes to get to LAX by 5 o'clock in the afternoon to go meet them. That's amazing. I can't believe there were that many people there. But it's fantastic. And a good show of support for Lee Wynn, who is one of the newest members of LAFC. This is a team that's putting together a very solid roster. And certainly you're going to have your ups and downs in a regular season. You're going to have guys missing. We know the World Cup is going to be a big part of that. you got injuries. We're now seeing that with Arania going out. You need these kind of moves. You need Adama Diamande to add depth. You need Lee Wynn to be able to fight for a spot there and be such a good player that you can put into a situation where otherwise you might be a little thin. That is impressive, no doubt. Now, what about the L.A. Galaxy? Take it on the chin again. There was some controversy. I thought the refereeing in that game was a disgrace. But, you know, again, refs are usually good or bad for both teams. Yeah, you could argue that there were a couple of calls that might have gone together. That happens. In the long run, you don't remember the refereeing. You have to just go out and win games, right? Even like even like I said, the referee in the LAFC Seattle game, Kevin Stott, very good MLS ref. He let it get a little too physical at times, but that that happens. You got to get past it. And it's going to be remembered as another LA Galaxy loss late on what was a it was a bad penalty call. There's no doubt. But you were down 2-0. You came fighting back, but you can't be falling down 2-0 at home in MLS and expect to just come roaring back every time. We saw it with the, the first El Trafico, and the Galaxy got away with it because they were also enamored with the high of Zlatan showing up for the first time. But man, that wears off quick. And there's only so many times you're going to have a four-goal comeback in you, and it's not often. And it's nowhere near enough to be falling down 2-0 at home again. They have got to right that ship offensively more so than anything else. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. Going to be talking with Alex Dwyer. He's a contributor to MLSsoccer.com. Covers LAFC. Talk about the moves. What went on in practice as LAFC get ready for their next game at Bank of California Stadium coming up Saturday. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. You can hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. And we're hanging out with you. It is time for the Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this. Right now been an absolutely crazy week for LAFCs. You might imagine opening the new Bank of California Stadium on Sunday, getting that late win in the final seconds against Seattle Sounders, and now a couple of big moves for LAFC with the injury to Marco Areña, the possibility, of course, of t- players going off to the World Cup, including the great Carlos Vela. Some moves have been made to bring in Lee Wynn and Adama Diamande, and also, the, of course, Andre Horta waiting in the wings coming up in July when that transfer window opens. Let's go now to a contributor to MLSsoccer.com. He covers LAFC. He is Alex Dwyer. Alex, thanks for taking the time and joining us here on Soccer Weekly, buddy. Of course, of course, Dave. Thanks for having me. Alex, let's go back to Sunday. You were there. Your thoughts on just the day as it transfold or transpired and unfolded for those fans of LAFC in the first time ever in Bank of California Stadium for a game. Yeah, you know, whether it was in the press box, in the concourse, down there in the north end of the 3252, I think 
the one thing that struck everybody was the atmosphere from the supporters. And I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot about players and coaches, but for real, they were the stars of the night. They're, they're definitely the heroes of this club going forward. And the club has identified that and, uh, sort of built the club around them. So I think that's where you get that atmosphere. Yeah. It was just pandemonium, certainly even, you know, certainly before the goal, but then to end it like that, it's funny, Alex. Now everybody will remember it as just the perfect game, you know, as fans of LAFC. Certainly there are a few fans of Seattle there who won't remember it that way, but it was really a, a tough game. It was it was a slugfest going into those final few moments, and of course the Laurent Simon free kick kind of sends everybody home in in a, a, a absolute ecstasy, but it really was a very tough game. Seattle, it seemed, had learned their lesson about leaving any space for Carlos Vela or Diego Rossi after that first game they played in March. Absolutely. It was, you know, it was a, it was a matter of them nipping at his heels, you know, especially <laughs> on the Vela's part and, and the defense for LAFC just having to dig in theirs because Seattle were sending guys forward. They had a stronger attacking lineup this time around. And, uh, as you said, I don't think the Seattle fans ended up leaving that game feeling, you know, maybe the one zero was justified, but hey, that's a, that's a heck of a way to bring in the stadium. Yeah, it really was. That was the perfect way to end for LAFC fans. Alex, we look at these moves now. Lee Wynn, of course, being announced. That was a, not a terrible surprise. Maybe I, maybe I wasn't expecting LAFC to necessarily make the move, but you thought he would get moved before the deadline. He's just languishing in New England, just not seeing eye to eye with Brad Friedel in the front office there. And he's too good a player to just let sit. Talk about what Wynn brings to LAFC, potentially. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that when I spoke to Bob Bradley and John Thornton earlier that they wanted to emphasize was that, you know, although if on our end, it seems like these, these signings came at the perfect time that, you know, the conversations that had been going on for months, they had identified both of these guys. And I think in, in the case of Wynn, you know, when, when Carlos Vela is going to be going to, to the World Cup with Mexico, yeah. you're going to, you're going to have to have someone kind of pulling the strings in the middle, someone who can score goals, who can also set up goals. And I think Wynn has proved that, you know, time and again, I think since 2014, he's in the top five in, uh, in the league in both, in, you know, in combined assists and goal scoring so he brings that to the table and he even played a year with Benny Failhaber in New England in 2012 so those two have a history and those having those two link up together I'm sure is going to create exciting things on the pitch and Adama Diamande for those who don't know he's been languishing a little bit at Hall City who are a mess right now as a club over in England but Diamande's best times realistically were under Bob Bradley when he coached in Norway yeah absolutely I mean Bob seems to be the type of coach not only that remembers the, the players that he's worked with that he's enjoyed, but the players seem to remember him and have a respect for him and are eager to work with him again, which is the case of Omar Gaber shows. But in the case of Dio, as Bob you know likes to call him when we were speaking earlier today, Dio, yeah, I think he put in 25 goals in 26 games in that season. Bob was with Stadlach in Norway, leading them to the, the third-place position in the table, and you know, whole city, I think they went up for one season in the Prem and then they were back down to the championship. But, you know, he's a like for like change for Arania. He's a, I think he's a half an inch taller and half a, half a month older. It's, it's almost an exact change. Um, the hold up striker can really push the line forward for, the, for some of those quicker players to get in behind and redistribute. And then in addition to that, he can score. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We're talking with Alex Dwyer, contributor to MLSsoccer.com, who covers LAFC. Alex, I in no way want to say that this was even a large portion of people or anything, but there was the incident with the offensive chant certainly coming out of the uh, one end there at Bank of California Stadium. 
it was quickly nipped in the bud in the sense that the club and the 3252 both came and spoke out against it harshly and said it will not be tolerated. Alex, do you get the sense that the club feels that they're that this is going to stop this uh, do you think that they are worried about this going forward to continue you know i think naturally it being the first game there were several things that were beyond their control this was certainly one of them i mean that chant has a history that lafc has nothing to do with creating yeah. that has existed long before you know they came into the league or they were an expansion team i know on the on the part of the 3252 and even from the press box and when i was down there i didn't once hear that chant from that side of the field, from the north end. The chant that I heard was from, you know, scattered persons throughout okay. the stadium who might have been casual observers, more more fans rather rather than supporters who were making that happen. And from everything I've been told and everything I've witnessed, the 3252 would have, you know, they would, they don't have any place in their... Well, that's good their, to hear, uh, yeah, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't hear anything, let alone any cheers when I was there doing the game because it was just so crazy and, of course... Wearing the headphones. That's great to hear about the 3252. That didn't sound like them, quite frankly, but I'm glad they spoke out against it with the club immediately as well, certainly, as we move forward and hopefully get past that in its entirety and uh, never hear that again, quite frankly, at Bank of California. Alex, your thoughts on as this team moves forward here, trying to rack up points in these next three games. It's a tough stretch. Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, certainly all at home. That will help, but these are games that you feel if you're LAFC, you've got a chance to get some points out of for sure. But this is a very tough stretch. We know this in MLS playing three games in eight days is not easy. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in their case, they sort of have bookended the, the, that three-game stretch with the two harder. Yeah. Dallas, I think, has only conceded six, six goals all season, three of them in the last game against New York. Uh, and then New York, of course, is one of the top teams in MLS, and they'll be playing them. Uh, a week from Sunday, I believe. And so that midweek game, the, the game against Minnesota, is certainly one they should feel confident about getting in there and getting the, the victory at Bank of California. But those other two games should be a little trickier. Nice nice to have the new signings. Um, from what I understand, the, the case of Dio, he might have the immigration to deal with and he might take a little longer to get into the, to the mold. But Wynn might may even be available this weekend or for, cert- for sure for the... Uh, the midweek fixture, and then the one after that. Good to know. Alex Dwyer contributed to MLSsoccer.com covering LAFC. All right, Alex, real quick, pull back from being the reporter, and let me know, how, how are you enjoying the job so far in covering this new team? Yeah, you know, i got to be honest. Um, as an Angelino here, I actually live down here in Expo Park, and you know, having a local team finally to to support is is big for me. It's big for a lot of the people that I know that watch the game and sure. wake up bright and early at 4 a.m. kickoffs for Premier League games to have something to go see <laughs> in person is, you know, certainly something that we never thought we'd see. The fact that this club has been able to just check so many boxes for so many people. You know, I wrote a piece back in 2015 for Howler, just sort of a wish list for the club and. Mm-hmm. They've over-delivered on a lot of those things, and I remember walking out of the stadium on Sunday just stunned. And I know I'm not the only one because I've spoken to people who, you know, who felt the same way. Just we're all we're all somewhat in disbelief and discombobulated, but in the best way. And regardless of where where the season goes from here, I think in many ways LAFC has already won. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I felt the exact same way walking to my car after that game several hours after. The game had ended at Bank of California on Sunday. 
Alex Dwyer, thanks so much. Check out his work, MLSsoccer.com. It is a pleasure to talk to you. He covers LAFC there. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dave. Talk soon. You bet. Alex Dwyer, contributor to MLSsoccer.com. Check out his work covering Los Angeles Football Club. And that was an amazing and special day on Sunday. i got to tell you about something else. I want to tell you about this uh, event that I went to, and we had touched on it a little bit. It happened about, a, what, a week and a half ago, and it's truly amazing. But I wanted to get to it because it really was an amazing event for me. It kind of brought me back to where I started as a soccer fan. And I wanted to share that with you. It was the World Cup trophy making appearance here in Los Angeles. And, you know, they, the, World, the World Cup trophy takes, like, this multi-country tour. It is amazing. They put it on this massive jumbo jet. Coca-Cola, I think, sponsors the whole thing and takes care of everything to send this thing around the world as part of the build-up to the World Cup. You get to see the trophy. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, not unlike what they talk about the Stanley Cup, I learned that if you if you have won the World Cup or you are a head of state, those are the only people who can touch the World Cup trophy. So it was behind glass for just about everybody, but the event had sent Bebeto, the great striker from Brazil. And Bebeto won the World Cup here in 1994. That's what ties it back to me because that's how I got started in my love of the game. And I got to tell you, I got a chance to step up and chat with Bebeto through a Portuguese translator because he's much more comfortable speaking Portuguese, as you might imagine. And I got to tell him thank you because that he was a huge part of me becoming a soccer fan with that 1994 World Cup and what he and Brazil did in winning it. And he was amazing, the stories he was telling. And we were getting goosebumps. And I'm not kidding. I was getting goosebumps, and Bebeto was getting goosebumps. He was, like, he was so deliberate in how he was telling the story of the 1994 World Cup with Brazil and then going on to win. Even his translator was saying, yeah, I got goosebumps too. It was amazing. And I got to interview him, and it didn't take long. It wasn't like I was interviewing him for an hour and a half getting that. But it was so much fun to hear his stories about just that was not an easy World Cup. And there were some things going on with Brazil that they had to work through, and there were talks, and there were big and tough moments that he outlined to me. That, But really, the, the story is a superstar like that and we just got down to just talking on a level without knowing each other's language very you know necessarily i'm sure he knows english a lot better than i know portuguese but through a translator we were still having the same goosebumps soccer moments him relieving it me realizing that this is a guy who was right at the forefront of me loving the game the way i do all these many years later and that's what the game does and that's why i honestly was so thankful that the world cup trophy made its way back here to la and the whole, the whole Coca-Cola thing. And Mario, you stepped in there and saw it, right? And I think you went the next day. Yeah, I went the next day. It was incredible. Incredible. I, it, it really is just to see it there and to see that trophy. Now, again, you can't touch it unless you've won it or you're like the president or a head of state. So I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't able to get anywhere near it. But, you know, you get the pictures. I was hanging out with the great Arash Markazi that day. We had so much fun talking about it. I'm and not going to lie. You can't help but to get emotional when no, you kind of see it up it's close. True. 
It is true. And you can tell, Babeto got to touch it. They brought it out for him. Yeah. Because he won it. And he did the cradling, like the baby thing that he had done in 94. Oh, of course, yeah. It was awesome. But you could tell the reverence he still had for it all these many years later after hoisting it as a champion back then in 94 here, right here, in fact, in Los Angeles, that it was just an incredible day. And I just uh, I was so glad to be there and covering that. Just had a great time. Uh, still to come, we got so much more to get to. John Thorrington, LAFC's GM, going to join us later in the show. And uh, we got a lot more to talk about. LA, LAFC's first game, making the moves that they have with Lee Wynn and Adama Diamande joining. The Champions League final is set. The Galaxy, 877-710-ESPN. I want to hear from you, 877-710-ESPN. Let me know your thoughts on that. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. Got a tweet at Talk Soccer if you want to hit me up there. From Richard, who says, uh, the field at Bank of California Stadium looks pretty narrow to me. Not quite as bad as the disaster that is Yankee Stadium, but not wide enough to allow LAFC to exploit their clever wing play. Any idea on the official dimensions? Well, Richard, I believe you uh, were probably watching it on television, and it must have been the camera angle because that stadium is wide. And I don't know exact dimensions. Like, I'm looking it up, but I believe it's at least 115 by the 75 that is pretty much about as wide as you're going to go. I mean, it is a, a, a big field. So it's probably, and I can't say this for sure, but I would imagine it's the angle they may have had on TV. Because remember, everything is so close to the field, including the cameras that you're going to watch television games on. And certainly I felt close to the field, even being up in the announcer's booth there while doing the game here on ESPN LA 710. So thank you for the call, or the uh, tweet, Richard. But, yeah, no, it's a massive field. It really – the reason I think that Richard probably had those thoughts too is that, in fairness, in that game, Seattle's midfield was choking LAFC's midfield to death defensively. I mean, they did a great job. They kept LAFC from really getting going until eh, a few minutes into the second half, and there was a long stretch where LAFC really started to work better. In fact, the possession was pretty much turned on its head. From the first half, it was Seattle's at about 53%, if I remember correctly. Then it, second half, it was pretty much LAFC, the same thing. So at least the first 50-ish minutes, Seattle really made it tough on LAFC. Then I think Seattle was really kind of hoping to just spring a counter and maybe get that lucky goal to win 1-0. But as it turned out, Laurent Simon and LAFC had other plans. So it, it was an interesting game, to be sure. But LAFC definitely has some things to work on in terms of now teams are starting to see that three-band back, you know, back line, getting a little more accustomed to the 3-4-3 that LAFC has been playing a little bit. They've got some more film on it. Now what do you do against FC Dallas? Coming up on Saturday, Game starts, what, 12.30 pregame here on ESPN LA 710, 1 o'clock kickoff. What do you do? How do you adjust to that? If you keep the 3-4-3, how, do, how are you going to make a difference in getting that midfield to be more exploitative and keeping possession and really helping create for Carlos Vela to then finish or to finish the last play to Diego Rossi or Marcos, Marco Arena, who, of course, as we don't know now, is out for a while, probably about a month with that injury to the face, or a guy like Adama Diamande, once he gets into the lineup. And if you're just joining us, again, the international slot will be taken care of. There is a move to be made by LAFC, and there will be no problem with that once that move gets made. It just hasn't been announced yet. 
But it's definitely a, a, a situation where LAFC could not, it couldn't have gone better realistically. Now, I know the game could have been, it could have been a four nil thrashing. I get that, but you get the point. That final goal, more climactic than even a four nil win. You could have had a great game. You could have won four nil and scored all four goals in the first 50 minutes. It wouldn't have been the same type of finish and it wouldn't have been the same type of end result that people are going to remember. It was truly memorable how it ended at Bank of California Stadium, winning that way in your first game. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Number if you want to get involved, or you can hit me up on Twitter. It's at Talk Soccer. That's where I live on Twitter. We like to continue the conversation during and after the show, of course. You can follow me on Instagram, Dave underscore Denholm. Got Robert, who's tweeting in, Love your Bebeto story and the formative nature of World Cup 94. For me, it was 82. Italy fan by heritage. Those classic matches versus Argentina and Brazil on way to beat Germany in the final. And those classic Azzurri shirts. Yeah, Robert. It is. And I'll tell you what. In America, the cool thing about MLS being around is that kids now, Robert, who are certainly younger than us, can have those formative moments with LA Galaxy winning back with Robbie Keane or Landon Donovan's career with the Galaxy or now with Carlos Vela creating moments with LAFC or if you're a fan of sporting Kansas City or you know you get it now kids can actually have MLS moments we had essentially to grasp those big kind of moments with the World Cup and that's why I'll never forget Bebeto and or never forget what Brazil did in 94 and how that tournament went and for Robert here it's 82 it's fantastic and you know that's something that really kind of drives home and I don't want to belabor it but it drives home what I've been talking about uh, with us missing the World Cup. Thank, thankfully, we have MLS. And I know a lot of uh, American soccer faithful who would rather put on a shirt from their beloved Everton, though they've never been you know, to a game in Liverpool. But they'd rather do that. I get it. But that's why it's so great we have MLS. And it's not just about the U.S. national team and just about the World Cup every four years. It is a massive blow. Make no mistake. And that's why you can't overlook that. But we will get past it. And we will be stronger in the end. And I know that sounds all cliche and sounds all granola, but it's true. You just have to <laughs> you just have to be able to handle the pain now, and I don't know if I can. That's the problem. Um, by the way, when World Cup approaches, Mario, we got to talk about a game that I Help create with a buddy of mine. Not, I mean, help create. Who am I? This is you know pretty much easy. It's like a fantasy type game where you get you and three of your buddies, right? Yeah. Actually, we'll do this in stoppage time. Okay. All right. We'll do that. Tease. Be stoppage time coming up. I'll give you the the whole how to play the game that uh, for the World Cup. You and your friends are going to love it. I promise. That will be the tease. Stoppage time still to come, but we got John Thorrington, LAFC general manager, coming up next here on the home of world football in Southern California, ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. Want to go out to the phones at 877-710-ESPN. Greer is in Santa Clarita. Greer, you're first up here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm. What's up? Hi, Dave. How are you doing today? Good, sir. I am so glad someone is doing a show about soccer. 
and I'm tired of baseball, of the boring game baseball. I am so happy. I'm just, I just turn the radio on. I was looking, and I hear and I say, God, somebody talk about soccer. It's like I couldn't wait. I, I was watching that game, the LAPC game, and, and I would love to go to one of those games. It is the most amazing game in the world. For a new team, I think they are like, they are so professional. They are so put together. I am so glad they are here. Greer. LA Galaxy. I'm an LA Galaxy fan. I love LA Galaxy and I, I am. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Grill, you, you bet. Thank you. Keep listening. We appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we are on weekly here. It is Soccer Weekly. You can follow me, Greer, on Twitter if you want information at Talk Soccer. Because we do obviously sometimes move the show around for the Lakers during their season or things like that. But, you know, mostly the time, Greer, it is Wednesdays at 7 o'clock here on ESPN LA 710. We appreciate you listening. Let's head it out to Peter, who's in Redondo Beach. Peter, you're next up on Soccer Weekly. What's going on? Good to talk to you, Dave. Thank you. You too. You know, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned like the Premier League and stuff like that. I said, what I've said to my friends for years is that, uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. My local pub team is the LA Galaxy. <laughs> now, I, I I will say that with the caveat that I think they're on the level with the championship in England or say League One, League Um, yeah, in, in France. You know, they're they're not there with the top leagues in the in the world. But after twenty years, these leagues have been around for a hundred years. Yeah, after twenty years, that's a really respectable league, and you know I enjoy following them. I haven't been watching. Uh, LAFC much. It's funny because, you know, when we had Chivas, well, I was a Galaxy fan and I hated Chivas. It's kind of like, well, no. Now we've got another flavor and I'll be in, you know, I I, I will look into, uh, I will look into LAFC, but for right now, it's Zlatan being Zlatan. Well, you're a Galaxy fan. Yeah, I understand. Absolutely, Peter. Thank you for the phone call. It's an interesting way to put it. Arsenal is his club team and the Galaxy are his pub team. But that's the beauty of soccer, isn't it? There is room. It is a big game, and it is a big soccer world out there, which is fantastic. So thank you for the phone call, Peter. Appreciate that. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, at Talk Soccer, and uh, follow the show there for sure. And you can uh, certainly keep up with what's going on here, and I do appreciate that phone call. It's absolutely true. And I'm looking forward to uh, now talking with the gentleman who is running LAFC, the executive vice president of soccer operations and the general manager of LAFC. He is John Thorrington, a friend of the show as well. John, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time, buddy. Not a problem, Dave. Good to talk to you. John, you've been a busy man, certainly, getting these uh, deals done before the deadline. Lee Wynn and Adama Diamande come in for LAFC. Can you talk about these moves? They look a little bit reactionary, but not in a bad way, of course. You're trying to take care of, uh, you know, with Marco going down with the injury and things like that. We've got the World Cup coming up. But these are things that have been in place or heading towards this place for a while now, haven't they? Yeah, exactly right. I think some people might mistakenly assume that they were reactionary given the unfortunate news of Marcos's injury, but these deals were well underway. These deals don't we only found out about Marcos yesterday and these deals certainly don't <laughs> take six hours to six hours to complete. I can uh, attest to that. So yeah, we had these conversations ongoing the uh, you know, various complications pushed it closer to the the deadline at 9 p.m. last night, but we were fairly comfortable in the end that they would get done. We're talking with uh, with uh, John Thorrington about Lee Wynn and Adama Diamande. Can you give us a little scouting report for maybe guys who are, aren't as familiar with these players coming in? 
Yeah, well, I think fans of MLS will know Lee Wynn well, uh, as well as his you know his time with with the national team. He's a very creative, dynamic, technically very gifted player. He can score goals. He can set up goals. You know, not long ago he was an MVP finalist uh, for a for a very good New England team. So we just think he fits very well with the the type of football Bob has the group playing, and will certainly contribute immediately to to what we're building here. And then with Diamande, certainly would be um, a lesser-known commodity to, to most fans. He's he's very well-known to Bob. He had a tremendously successful year under Bob at Staubach, scored over well, basically a goal a game in 25 games, which uh, is not easy in that league or in any league for that matter. And he's something different that uh, we think certainly will add another dimension to our attack. He's a, he's a powerful, explosive runner, uh, he, he, he contributes in build up, and he's also a, a good finisher. So we've always we're always on the lookout in any way, um, any ways in which we can help our team. We're certainly incredibly proud of the job that Bob, the staff, and the players have done thus far. But when we had the opportunity to improve in these ways, we jumped at it. John, I can't imagine defending. LAFC this part of the season and I'll tell you why because as I'm broadcasting the games I don't know where Diego Rossi or Carlos Vela or Marcos are going to pop up on the field at any time quite frankly and I think Lee Wynn fits into that doesn't he where he can move in and out of spots he can play on either side he can play in the center and it just adds another dimension that you you guys are already giving defenders grief yeah I think look we we signed some exciting dynamic, uh, dangerous attacking players and credit the players and, and Bob and the staff for how, how quickly it's come together and, and we're obviously hopeful that will continue. I think what Lee offers, like many of our players, is versatility and that offers tactical flexibility going into games, within games, in terms of how how Bob might want to change change things and give a different give a different look. But one thing that is absolutely consistent with all of our attacking players is the types of players they are they're dynamic they have some flair they're the types of players that our fans love to watch a man or a woman who runs soccer operations for a franchise i mean the the job never stops i get that john but have you had any time to kind of sit back and reflect on what you guys have done already including that opener on sunday have you had a time to breathe at all yet uh, almost, I think probably, <laughs> you know, in the build up to Sunday, it's just been such an exciting time for yeah. the club. We obviously, it's not been long ago where we had our first ever game in the build up for that. And it's just been, you know, a couple of months of firsts for the club. And then the huge build up to the opening at Bank of California stadium, which despite the expectations being incredibly high, you know, the game, the environment, the atmosphere exceeded that. And I was just so, you know, Seattle gave us a really tough game. You have to give them credit for, for how well they played. It's not easy to play in an opposing team's opening of their stadium. They, they equipped themselves really well. And, you know, I just, when I was sitting there, I just was hoping that the fans for the atmosphere they, they created, they just deserved a victory. And I think they were influential in, in getting us across the line. So, it's been an incredibly exciting time, so you'll never hear a complaint from me or anybody in our organization that we're busy because it's a passion play for all of us, and we're just so excited that we have the opportunity to 
help in some way with our owners and their ambition and their vision of what LAFC can be. And to follow up on that, you might not have been able to enjoy it fully yet, but it certainly for the fans has been an enjoyable start. There's no doubt about that for LAFC and what this man has built. He's the general manager and executive vice president of soccer operations of LAFC, John Thorrington. John, thanks very much for taking the time, filling us in on these new players as you guys move ahead here with the schedule. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks, Dave. You bet. John Thorrington, general manager and executive vice president of soccer operations for LAFC and the job they've done, along with Will Koontz and the front office there, putting this team together with Bob Bradley and his staff as a hey, five out of seven, five out of seven is nothing to sneeze at, 15 points thus far. We appreciate him taking the time to talk a little bit about Lee Wynn and what Adama Diamande is going to bring as well, the new signings for Los Angeles Football Club. You know what time it is, Mario Rees. It is our favorite time of the show each and every week. It's stoppage time. Stoppage time brought to you by Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry. The San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Se habla espanol. Mario Reese. Mario, I want to tell you about this game that we play. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about this fantasy game. Yeah, World Cup like game, it. huh? It's a World Cup group game. Here's okay. what happens. You and three of your friends, right? You get four players. Right. Everybody drafts. One team per group. It's like a snake draft, or however you want to do the draft. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're only allowed one team per group. Okay. And it's you're building up your point total. Three points for a win, one point for a draw, nothing for a loss. And then into the knockout stages, if you're if any of your teams obviously get through, right? You get three points for a win. You both get a point for a draw. And the team who wins the penalty shootout, they just move forward. So you're still alive. You don't get any extra point for that. Okay. And it's just whoever scores the most points with the, in the end, you know, so you have to like, the, the, the cool thing about it is, you know, can Brazil win their group easily? They might get nine points. Right. But are they good enough to win the whole thing then? Like maybe Germany is going to have a tougher group. Do I wait? Or maybe Costa Rica is a surprise in a weak group. Maybe I pick them later when everybody else is going to take, you know, and you kind of have to like, because you only get one team per group, obviously eight, you know, eight teams for each player, and you're only allowed one team in each group. It makes it very tactical in how you draft. Wow, this sounds pretty pretty cool. It is pretty. I'm fun. in. Can I be one of the four people uh, in your group? Yeah, you got uh, all we're play for is units of pride. No gambling, please. Let's keep. Of it course clean. not, Dave. Who would do that? Just units of pride. Of course. For uh, yeah, Mario, you can definitely be in our World Cup group game. I highly recommend it. We'll be talking more about that even as it gets closer, Mario. I can't believe it. We are like. It seems like hours away from the World Cup. Yes. You know? Can't wait. Let me ask you this, and we're going to be talking much more about this on this show. What are your thoughts about Mexico going into this World Cup right now? I know you certainly follow El Tree and know what's going on. Like, overall, as you approach it, what do you feel about Mexico in general heading into this World Cup? I think uh, they have a strong team here going into the World Cup, and I think that they have a good chance of getting into the final eight. Really? I think so, yeah. Interesting. See, now that's just a little tease of what we're going to be talking about here for the next few months, really, as it goes through World Cup 2018 in Russia. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to the great Mario Rees. That is stoppage time. I'm Dave Dunham. Thanks to John Thorrington and Alex Dwyer, who joined us. Thanks to you for listening and calling in. Thanks, Michael Funches. Mario and Michael, the two coolest men in radio. I appreciate them each and every week. Most importantly, thank you for listening to Soccer Weekly here on the home of world football in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710.